the more you do something, the more you get the opportunity to explore new concepts, the more you get to push yourself as an artist, um, the more experimental work you get to do. And I realized people really like the experimental stuff. So I just went even harder. Um, and I guess the reason exper experimental stuff is very raw and expressive. Um, and it, it almost kind of directly reflects what's going on in you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Edit Undo podcast. It feels like we've been a, it's been a while since we've chatted to you um, to you guys, although we've been posting episodes uh, quite frequently. It's been a while since we've recorded. So, you know, we might have a few kinks and chinks um, here and there, but we will um, we will do our best to make this an amazing episode. But I think because of our guest today, we're not going to have to try very hard because he has got an amazing story. You know, we, we, we chatted a little bit briefly before this episode and it was just... Um, it was eye-opening, I think, is the right word, to, um, the right way to put it. And for that reason, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into very much depth about um, introducing our guest. What I will say is that um, part of his journey, he was a mechanical engineer and needless, needless, it's no, sorry, electronics and electrical engineering. I think is what it was. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, but that's not what he does right now. And so I'm hoping that we can actually explore that story, hear a little bit of about how um, an electronics and electrical engineer ends up where um, where Anthony is. So Anthony, welcome to the show, and it's really great to have you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Anthony Musio. Uh, I consider myself a multidisciplinary designer. Um, fashion designer, graphic designer, product designer, everything design. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I live and work uh, in Nairobi. I'm a freelance designer. And yeah, mm -hmm. I'm just so happy and excited to be here. Just talk about my story. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Nice. Um, so I think th there's actually something that I, want, that I wanted to point out before we dive into your story. That's just a little bit, well interesting for lack of a better word because you, you sort of mentioned that you're a part, part of that um, multidisciplinary design is product design and you know yeah. typically when when i hear the term product design being mentioned um today that is more like designing apps and websites and tech that's a product when you yep. describe it like when you mention yourself as a product designer is that what you mean or do you mean like physical tangible products um, I actually mean digital products. So um, okay. part of my, part of my fiddling around, um, I, I write code. Um, so I, I, I do the UI, the UX. Um, mm. And then I'm also kind of doubling now in augmented reality, which wow. feels very familiar sure. to um, designing mobile apps. Um, yeah, so mm. product design in every sense of the word. Because, um, I mean, when you look Amazing. at designing a garment, that could be considered a, a product. So, yeah, um, a product mm -hmm. designer in every sense of the word. Amazing. Well, so I'm, I'm super keen to get into what that multidisciplinary form, the different forms of design are. But maybe before we get into that, can you... 
tell us a little bit about how how you started off. What does the the origin story of Anthony look like? <laughs> um, I mean, just like any other creative, it's been a very meandering path. Um, one that's been a bit, you know, full of unsure moments, but. I, I I trust in the process and where I'm at right now. So mm. this kind of kicked off when I was about nine years old. Um, I used to sketch a lot in books. Um, so I started by reproducing what I would see in my favorite storybooks. Um, and then I think around when I was 13, I got into a little bit of comic design. Um, mm-hmm. Then the, that just kind of fell, you know, by the wayside. Um and then I got into college because now college mm-hmm. kind of took up a lot of my time. So I kind of forgot about design for a minute. Um, but that's when now I picked up programming. Um, so I remember sometimes I used to skip class just to kind of get into YouTube and learn all this, you know, um, about programming, mobile applications at the mm-hmm. time. Um, so while I was mm-hmm. doing these mobile applications, especially the user interface, it felt very familiar to me using Photoshop. So I was like, hmm, this is pretty much an extension of what I've been doing on Photoshop. Um, mm. So yeah, so I picked that skill up so I could get some extra cash on the side because, you know, when you're in college, you're always looking for that extra buck. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so that went well. Um, and then I finished college with my new degree, mm-hmm. brand spanking new. Um, but then suddenly there were no jobs for electrical engineers in the market. Um, it's this thing like, you know how the job market mm-hmm. is kind of messed up um, and high unemployment rates. So there wasn't that clear pipeline um, for at least one mm-hmm. and a half years. Uh, then I eventually got a job at an engineering company, um, but down in Mombasa. So I live in Nairobi and Mombasa mm-hmm. is like at the Kenyan coast. So that's like 600 kilometers from the city. Crazy. Yes. yes. So um, there I am, 22. I have to approach my entire <laughs> life, move on to a new city. I know no one there. Um, wow. And then I guess I turned to graphic design because it felt very comforting and it kind of reminded mm. me of home because um, mm. I just used to hold myself in the bedroom and then, you know, churn out my little designs, my little artworks. Yeah, so when I was in Mombasa, it was a bit lonely. So I turned to making art as a way to kind of comfort Mm -hmm. me and remind me of home. And I don't know, I think that's actually one of the points where I feel like I made some of my best works. Um, Mm. Yeah, so it was me, nine to five. I have my electrical engineering job. But in the evening, um, I'd come home and then, you know, knock out a piece or two. Um, get a mm-hmm. commission in there. Hey, could you do us um, an album cover? Uh, you know, just such kind of stuff. Um, mm. And I would actually take the opportunity to work with my creative friends. So um, that's when I started getting to know more and more music producers and rappers. And because I'm, I, I love, love, love music. And the mm-hmm. album cover art is a key component of my music listening experience. So I was like, whoa, so this is an opportunity for me to be one of those people who designs that. Um, Yeah, Yeah. so I jumped at the opportunity and I just kept on collaborating with more rappers, more artists. Um, Yeah, then came 2020. 
Um, I don't know who was following me at the time, but I got an email from CNN. Uh, and uh, this was during the lockdown. So they commissioned me to do a piece on uh, the whole lockdown experience. Um, so once I did that, I think that got me a lot more eyeballs, got me known more, and then I got more and more commissions. So it kind of felt like I was eventually easing into the art world. Um, mm -hmm. But I was not ready to accept that or admit that because I had this nine to five. So at the time, my mentality yeah. was it was one or the other. Um, but yeah, so fast forward to 2022, um, actually 2021, end of 2021, I decided to quit my job um, and pursue this art thing full time. Um, and yeah, here I am. So it's been about sure. one year. Uh, that's, that's a very... Like a very short journey uh, to making that jump and actually uh, pursuing it professionally. You know, you, you said, oh, yeah, you were doing a little bit of commissions on the side. And I was like, hold up. You know, you, you, you said I was in a new city and you used art and as a form of comfort and expression just here on the side, you know, while I'm doing this new full-time job that I just got. And then all of a sudden I have commissions that I'm doing. I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a gap there that we're missing or <laughs> were you just, how um, did you get your work out there or how did these people get to know about the stuff that you were doing in your room at home that was supposed to be comforting you with this new mm. environment and then you got commissions? Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. So, um, Right about when I was finishing campus, that's when I started to reconnect with this part of me that's making designs. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing this together with the mobile mm -hmm. applications. But, you know, um, you're done with campus. There's no job for at least one year. So what do you do with your spare time? Um, so I decided to kind of just get into dive mm -hmm. deep into making art and stuff. So that was in around 2017. So... Mm -hmm. When I got the mm. job the following year, um, I still didn't drop that. Um, so I would post very consistently. Mm. Um, I think on I, social I was media. doing it weekly. Yeah, yeah, on my Instagram. Oh, okay. It was, I got to nice. a point where I was doing it weekly because it felt intoxicating almost. <laughs> I had to put stuff out. I had things to say. Um, so I guess it's that doing, doing that over and over again. Um, and, you know, the, the more you do something, the more you get the opportunity to explore new concepts, the more you get to push yourself as an artist, um, the more experimental work you get to do. And yeah. I realized people really like the experimental stuff. So I just went mm -hmm. even harder. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the reason exper experimental stuff is very raw and expressive. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it almost kind of directly reflects what's going on in you. Um, and for sure, those mm. are some of my, you know, some of the pieces that people really, really enjoy. Um, so actually it's through that continuous posting and just kind of being relentless um, and having this almost naive approach to, you know what, just put your work out there. Just keep putting your work out there. And one day I just got an email. So, um, yeah, in this day and age of social media, people are watching. <laughs> Anybody could be watching. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that is that is so true, and I think it's 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 definitely <clears throat> for the aspiring artists or the people who are looking to leave something like a boring job to uh, explore something creative. I think that's a really good piece of advice, like learning how to become consistent, learning how to put yourself out there, and I think especially putting yourself out there because as especially when it comes to creating something in some ways that represents you, it's always so difficult to put it out there because any criticism always feels a little bit like a little bit of a criticism of you. And so it's always, it's, it's always tough to do. And that's, that's, that's why in some sense, it's so important to, to, to sort of build that habit of putting your work out there um, and, and getting, getting feedback from mm. people. Um, and then something that I am a little bit interested in is, you know, for most people, you, you sort of start in a creative medium that's typically not where you end. So for me, I started off like uh, with pencil sketches. I hated, I hated painting. It was terrible. I, I hated all things color. <laughs> I just wanted to use the, the good old graphite. <laughs> um, that, that was sort of where I felt comfortable. And eventually it sort of transformed into illustration um, on, in a digital format. And then that eventually evolved into, you know, uh, product design. Like how, what did your creative expression look like in the earliest years? Like as far back as you can remember, like, did you start off with Photoshop? Was that was the first form of of creating that you did or did it look like something else before that? Um, So my first encounter with digital arts, as we now know it, um, was in high school. I was in boarding school. And um, I was in a boys' school. So we mm-hmm. had this Kenyan boys. I don't know if this happens in South Africa, but Kenyan boarding high schools has this culture of sending love letters to, you know, your sister schools in others, you know. So, like, say in the school that I was, mm-hmm. um, and my girlfriend is in whatever school, so you would mail them a letter. Um, you'd sit, da- sit down, write them a letter. Mm-hmm draw nice cute things on the envelope and then send it over to them so um was mm. an actual postal service yeah 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 so because that school... wouldn't work in south africa <laughs> <laughs> yeah our postal system is terrible i know um it was it's honest, to date it's still baffling that you know the postal system was very effective at the time Wow. So the school would collect mm. all the letters on a weekly basis amazing. and then they would, they would post them for you for free. And then oh. two, three weeks later, your girlfriend would get your letter. So it was a thing. It was a big thing, um, like that. this mini industry. So I kind of saw mm. an opportunity. Um, and what I'd do is I'd, over the holidays, I'd get sheets of blank paper and I would get on Microsoft Publisher at the time. So I still wasn't familiar with Photoshop. And I would go on to mm-hmm. stock images, websites, and then download little cupids, you know, with the love hearts and all that. And then I'd print them <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the plain sheets of paper and on the envelopes. Mm-hmm. And so when I'd go to school, I would sell those. Um, so yeah, like that. I think that that was a huge, huge catalyst, honestly, because uh, that way you get direct feedback. Your homies come to you and they're like, "Yo, I fucking love this." Sorry, can I cuss? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, 
Um, but yeah, I'll, 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 I'll just, anyway, so yeah, you get direct feedback from your friends and they're like, yo, we really love this. Like you're actually talented because at the time I thought I was just making mm-hmm. a quick buck, but you know, when people come back mm-hmm. to you and they tell you, yo, yo, this is quite something. So a part of me really stepped into that. And I guess that was now my mm. fast, fast, uh, encounter with that. Then um, shortly after high yeah. school, which is like a four-year program, um, I started getting odd jobs. So in the CBD, Nairobi CBD, all these shops, they sell movies, they sell clothes. Um, so I would do the little signages at the entrance. <laughs> so whatever your name of your shop is, I would do a little <laughs> graphic. Have you seen the ludicrous, mm. um, the infamous ludicrous photo of... On him, on on all these barber shops. Um, we are share that. Oh yes, yes, now. yes. When they've got those, like, like the they have that board, and it's got all the different haircuts that you can get. Yeah, yeah, something you, similar, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was like like mm. this little um, economy yes. that shop. People who own shops would look for people who can do signages. So that that was my first encounter with Photoshop. Mm. Um, and then it kind of grew on from there, you know, you start almost commercial and then you get into more conceptual stuff as time goes by. So yeah, that was my first Mm. encounter with digital art, um, as we know it now. You know, I find it so interesting and I mentioned this to Alfie before, when I look at your, uh, your, your work, you use a lot of, um, real time topics, very relevant pieces as well that can really resonate with a bunch of different people. And um, a lot of creatives who are in the career, a professional career as an artist, usually come from a, or at least the ones we know, Alfie and I in our circles and the ones we've spoken to, come from a a background where they've actually studied or been educated Mm. Um, in the art space and what that also means is during that education in the creative um, career they got to learn about the history of art and you know the masters of art which is usually a lot of uh, first world influence and Mm. you can also then see that in the work that they're producing today even though they might be local south african artists you can see the influence Mm. from first world countries and art history as as we speak then when we or at least for me when i looked at your work it's it's a little bit different in that way and i i I was wondering if it's because of this journey that that you've gone on which is a lot more involved in your local community before you actually started producing pieces as opposed to being influenced by the the art that comes from Europe, the history and the stories behind those pieces? Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so definitely, I think, because I, I, I derive a lot of my inspiration directly from the streets. So whenever I'm mm. driving around, I'm just always looking at the sign signages, you know, just looking at how people live, how people move. Um, and I try to bring that directly into my work. Um, so I can say that this kind of non-linear path that I took helped me. Um, yeah. I don't want to say scat the traditional kind of model of studying art and everything. 
Um, but I, I was able to leap, you know. But one thing I also have to point out is I think it got to a point, this must have been 2018, 2019, um, I felt like there was a gap in me um, who were my art mentors, you know, um, since mm-hmm. I, I didn't study art. So that, that question kept coming back to me. Anthony, who are your art mentors? Um, and I don't know, fortunately for me, I was really, really obsessed with Malik Sidibe. Um, so there's this <laughs> video by Janet Jackson um, featuring Q-Tip and um, Johnny Mitchell. It's called Got Till It's Gone. Beautiful, beautiful video. Um, of course, shot in America, but it reflects the apartheid struggle um, in South Africa, actually. Uh, you guys should check it out. Um, and the entirety mm. of that video just felt like flipping through an old family photo album, you know? Um, the suits, yeah. the dapper suits, the studio poses, um, going to the bar, you know, photos of couples dancing in a bar. Mm. Um, and I really, really loved that depiction of, and how true to it they were, you know? They weren't trying to depict anything else. It was that African experience. Um, so I mm. got into this deep dive and I started looking for these photographers who influenced the video director and Malik Sidibe came up, the Seidukator came up, um, mm. Depara from Congo, who ended up being Franco's photographer came up and I really started getting into their work. Wow. So I can say my, my training, quote unquote, is... Um, by observation of this old African masters. Because like you're saying, um, it's it's very Eurocentric sometimes. Um, mm. And then that also mm. kind of guides your art direction a particular way. Um, so I gravitated more towards mm. the Malik Sidibes because I felt like they were doing something. I could feel their spirit. Um, it felt very similar. Like they would take photos mm. of people just around them go to weddings, go to funerals, go to parties. Um, and I don't know, it kind of feels the same process as I, as mine, um, just getting all this inspiration from people around me. Um, yeah. So then later on, I started mm-hmm. depicting my characters within studios. Um, so there's a particular period, if you look at my work, I'm doing a lot more of putting people mm-hmm. in studios. But my aim um, by putting them in studios is to just build walls in there you know like the studio is this place where people came to find themselves because it was a post-colonial kind of movement Mm. um and independence Mm. kind of movement and you know africans are now free of this colonial bs so it's like who are we you know um so they would go to the studios and that's how they would answer that question who are we um so my work also kind of started taking that direction um, where I take my characters and I Mm. try to also answer that question. Who is this? Who are they? Um, Yeah. So in as much as I didn't study, the long and short of it is that in as much as I didn't study art, um, I still had to take the time to find out who my mentors would be. Yeah. And I think I found some really incredible mentors Mm. in these guys. Crazy. And I I love that. And especially the words you just used and it was so intentionally chosen. You you went through the effort to go find who you want your mentors to be 
where I think a lot of us, and even mm-hmm. me included, when I went through the um, educational path to actually study what I'm doing now, we obviously had a lot of um, mentors and inspirational figures in our industry that were, were given to us. And in some way, um, when you are served a bunch of really good creatives in your industry, sometimes you don't get curious to look past those because you just ad- adopt those for yourself immediately where it kind of it was just so beautiful to hear you say you went to go find those people for you because that was a very intentional thing you did and you know it's uh you could have picked anyone or any 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 form or any direction but you but you chose those ones because it resonated with you for a good reason yep 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 that's that's pretty accurate Mm. yeah I do feel like we are skipping one big thing though you know when you when you introduced yourself you were giving us this uh, little timeline and all in that timeline you mentioned the words yeah CNN reached out to me and we kind of just blew that over (laughs) and it's it's a bit it's a bit of a big deal You, you mentioned CNN reached out to you can we just go back to that? Because it was so nonchalant, but... <laughs> um, I think it's because it was a couple of years back. Um, but yeah, so COVID had just had everyone in this lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, this must have been May, June of 2019, 2020, 2020, yeah, 2020. And um, everybody was so scared. Because uh, you would see all these horror stories of, you know, bodies on the streets. Um, mm. Like nobody fully understood the magnitude of what COVID was. Um, and then I think CNN were also kind of just trying to see how artists are dealing with this. And yeah, that's when I got that email from them. And they were just like, hi, we're going to be running an editorial piece on how artists are surviving during the COVID period. Mm. Um do you mind doing a piece? Just, you know, they gave me free reign, which I really, really thoroughly enjoy when clients do mm. that. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was, was just that like, a big Anthony. moment for you? That, that it was, email. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very humbling because um, here I am, I've just been making art in my room you know um and this was also coinciding with the whole just as an aside coinciding with the whole bedroom producer phenomenon um i don't know if you guys know kechanada um i feel like he's a poster boy of that bedroom mm. creative one of those you yeah. know uh, figures that represent that bedroom creative type of person so just from seeing myself as this guy who's just behind a laptop in my room to actually getting an interview with cnn that was very very humbling yeah. and honestly very scary <laughs> especially when they asked me to produce something because mm-hmm. it's like this is cnn you have to outdo yourself mm-hmm. um but thank god it went really well um and they also asked me to write like um like a blog post mm. Uh, which I did as well to just describe my thought process during the making of the artwork. But yeah, that's one of those highlight moments in my career, I must say. Yeah. Crazy. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. 
So there's this this I'm actually one of the things I'm super keen for in this conversation is to actually um to dive into your work. Um, you know, when we when we chatted about it initially, um it got me it got me very very interested because I think and cards on the table here don't don't judge me but I've always been a little bit critical about um people who do collages and mixed medium kind of art because I I I always felt like there were a lot of people pretending to be artists and using collages using collages to hide behind that um and then when I saw your work, I, it, like it, it clicked for me about like what collages are actually about, and that sort of mixed medium type of mixed medium type of art. So I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really keen to to dive into that. But maybe before we do, one of the things that I am interested in is how you actually got to that kind of style, because you know a lot of the art creatives in general, mm. artists even, um, fine artists that I find these days not a lot of them specialize in that type of art. And so how how did you find this sort of medium mm. of expression? Um, I think from, it was just a very natural progression from my CD Cupid. signage, <laughs> exactly, and the Cupid um, <laughs> stuff, because... If cards on the table as well, I am I can't draw to save my life, guys. I I just cannot <laughs> fucking draw to save my I life. I love that though. <laughs> so um, whenever I was putting together those designs, um, if you guys have used Figma or mm. Photoshop, it's a lot of just moving things from here to here to here to here. There's no line work that I had to learn. Mm. So. I think it was like a new paradigm. It was like, okay, so I can still arrange my thoughts visually, even if I can't draw. Um, I just have to go into the internet and find this very specific pose of someone and bring it into my work. Um, yeah, so I, the, the, the collage style lends itself very well to just pick and place. Because mm -hmm. even if, think about it, when you're doing collage on a canvas or paper, it's more or less pick and place mm. and arrange and, you know, just put things together coherently to tell your story. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was just exactly what I was trying to achieve yeah. on Photoshop. And it felt very intuitive. So once it clicked for me, um, I was just like, okay, let's go all in. Let's figure this out. Let's see what exactly, how far can I push this, you know, yeah. um, to what length can I go to with this collage thing? Because sometimes it's like, is it an illustration? Is it a collage artwork? Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the style, the collage style really lends itself well to the pick and place kind of. I don't, I don't know if it's a technique. Mm -hmm. if, that's the, is the, is that, if that's the right art world term. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I like it, pick and place. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I really, really gravitated towards. Amazing. You do make it seem very easy, though, using those words, pick, pick and place. But then I look at your work and, you know, the, the color choice, the composition, all of mm. that you can't do by just picking and placing. Mm. It's still, um, yeah, that's still all, all in you, right? Yeah. yeah um, I think that also just comes intuitively because I realize my creative process is more of, it's very spontaneous. Mm. Um 
I'm lucky that I don't have to mix colors beforehand so I can decide what this looks like. And that's also the beauty of collage sometimes. It's like whatever you get, work with it. Yeah. You know, um, hmm. however it comes, if 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 the texture is not the specific one that you are looking for, that's fine. Just find a way of making it work. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty much creating within constraints that you know that makes it come out like that. Mm. Yeah, that that that's true. And I think I also spent a lot of time just staring at record sleeves of old African stuff. Yeah. Um, I have so many Pinterest boards of just holding that visual inspiration. Yeah, so um, I think the more that I looked at it, the more it just became very intuitive. Yeah. Crazy. And when you speak about your creative process, do you start by choosing a subject matter, like a main thing that you want in your collages? Because if I look at some of your work, um, the the subject matters seem quite important to the pieces. Mm. Um, is that where you start or how does the process go? Um, hmm, that's... <laughs> It's a good question. Um, I, I think I have two, like, sort of main ways that I approach stuff. The times where I want to do more of a freestyle type of collage, um, you can like when you look. There's some pieces that when you look at, you can just tell that this, this was just someone trying to find a groove. Um, but now, like the ones you're referring to, the ones with the characters um, of late, I've really been trying to be intentional. I've really been trying to be more intentional with the storytelling. So who are they? Um, where yeah. is this? Mm -hmm. What's happening? Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of just coming up with little stories, even if it's a paragraph or two, mm -hmm. um, to describe the scene. Because um, it's just a way of adding depth to the piece. Mm -hmm. um, like, yeah. yes, you could be technically good at executing the idea, mm -hmm. um, but can you immerse people in your world? Can people get a glimpse of what you're thinking? Can people get a glimpse of this world that you're coming up with? So yeah, narrative more and more is becoming important mm. to me. Yeah, amazing. Nice. Um, and so I, I think I think it's 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 high time because I've been looking forward to this part of the conversation since the beginning. Um, I was hoping that we could maybe talk a little bit about some of your work and and almost have you maybe talk through some of the the thinking process or the um, curative style. Um, and before we chatted, there was one piece that you oh, yeah. you you, sh you shared with me that I'd like us specifically to go through, um, and that's. Uh, uh, the piece that, as, as you sort of mentioned, is called Reba, and um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting one. So um, maybe if if you don't mind, you could just tell us a little bit about you know, maybe a little bit about how how this project came to be, and maybe some of the some of mm. the aesthetic or, or stylistic choices. Um. So yeah, Reba. Um, <laughs> where do I begin? I grew up in Nairobi mm -hmm. and uh, there's this sort of lingua franca that we use a lot in the city. Um, it's called Sheng. Mm -hmm. um, so Sheng is this amalgamation of Swahili, English, 
and so many other words from very many tribes because um, we have 42 tribes in Kenya. Mm. So sometimes just words from different tribes find themselves in this little language. Um, yeah, it's a very informal language. Um, the people speak, um, friends. Yeah, we rarely use informal situations. So riba is a word from that particular, from Shen. Mm. Um, and it means... It has many meanings, actually. It means short stories. It means news. Mm-hmm. Um, it just generally means chatter, chatter between people, yeah. um, sort of like the grapevine type of thing. Um, so, yeah, just by the choice of that word already, um, it was clear that I was trying to tell mm-hmm. a story. Um, though in in, um, in Kiswahili, according to the... Swahili dictionary, mm. riba is interest that money earns in the bank. That's just it, by the way. Mm. Yeah, so um, that's how I ended up calling this compilation riba. Mm. And my intention was just to pick experiences that I had gone through in my life in the Nairobi CBD and kind of impose this experiences and stories on fictional characters mm. yeah and that's how you end up with riba so that's the cover right there mm-hmm. um vintage pc yeah i had a little write-up um that actually ended up changing mm. um i changed it to a poem um but i'll update my website mm. um yeah let's go to the next one the next yeah that. Mm. So this was a time I was really obsessed with African masks. Yeah, they, they just baffled me. I was like, whoa, these people so many years ago and like they come up with such vivid characters, you know. Mm. Um it's, it's it's to date it's still very enamoring and I often wonder like how how on earth did they do this? you know um so yeah i i happen to get this from a museum's website i think it's the met um they have a section where there's art that you can use under the creative commons license so anybody can just go and get yeah so they take photos of their catalog and then um depending on what it is you're interested in so let's say um I'm, I'm from the Kamba tribe in Kenya. Mm. So I often go there, look for Kamba beadwork. Because, mm. um, okay, that also points to another interesting dynamic about artwork that is African and is situated in other museums. Mm-hmm. This is the only way I can access this artwork. I can't go physically to experience it. Mm. So my philosophy is that if I can use this in my artwork, well and good, you know. Mm. Um, I haven't violated any copyrights. Um, it's adding another layer to my work. So, yeah, this is um, a lady called Mkanya. Mm. Um, and the story behind this was that she just, I was walking to class, um, and then this lady just stops me and asks me, Hi, I'm looking for a taxi to this particular place. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm late. Why are you stopping me? Just let me go to class. Mm. Um, and then the little excerpt just ends there. Mm. So that is reflective 
of those mornings where I would go to class. So arrive to the CBD by, we call them matatus in South Africa, you call them taxis. Mm. Yeah, you get to the stage and then there's this long walk to class and then all these people you meet in this commotion. So yeah, that was just something I picked from there. Amazing. Um, yeah, let's go to the next. Yes. It's crazy what you mentioned about, um, you know, having access to African art that's now in Africa. In a way, reappropriating it in your own work, you're bringing, bringing it back to Africa. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so this particular image, I got it off of one same museum photo, photos and stuff. Mm. Uh, so this is, a, it's the, the original photo is of a Ugandan warrior. Wow. Um, from, from the Jire tribe. Um, yeah. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, so this character, I made them, I kind of reenacted this scene that once happened to me. So in 2013 in Kenya, we had, um, terrorist attacks in one of our biggest shopping malls. Mm. Um, and, uh, the Al-Shabaab claimed responsibility so because of that attack, suddenly there was this stigma towards bearded men. So having a beard was actually a bit dangerous for a young Kenyan man at the time. Um, there were cases of abductions, um, you know, because now people are paranoid. You know, the, the state is paranoid uh, because of this terror attack. So this one time I was heading for an exam, actually, for an afternoon exam. Um, just walking through the CBD and I was stopped by these cops um, just randomly, yo, come. So produce your ID. Let's see if you're actually a Kenyan citizen and all that. So, yeah, um, long story short, I made this character to kind of just depict um, the cops at the time. Mm. So this project, uh, the way I made it, uh, it had an accompanying except mm. but it was all in sharing and i didn't get the time to translate it mm. but uh the, the text that accompanies this is just like a four or five sentence sort of exchange between myself and the cop who are you mm. i state my name where are you going can i see your id and then i walk away very annoyed and very pissed mm. yeah so that was that yeah um yeah let's go to the next one Um, yeah, this was, this was, this was really interesting. This was actually a screen. This was like a screenshot of a video. Um, the piece itself is a video. Um, so it's, this is a traditional Meru. Meru is yet another tribe, mm. but it's a traditional Meru witch doctor. Okay. Um, yeah, I just really liked, I, I really loved the vibe more than anything. I won't even try and be too deep with this one. Mm. Um, yeah, this this felt like one of those freestyle pieces. Mm. I have this photograph. I am trying to figure out how can I make this look good, mm. you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, and this 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 is what came about. Um, <laughs> I like that it doesn't have to be deep. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's also Sometimes important to say, yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> It's also um, quite nice when you enjoy something or enjoy looking at something where you enjoy it, but you, you yourself mm -hmm. aren't always quite sure why. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, exactly. That in itself exactly. is that question alone makes it meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this next piece, um, kind of like a similar story. So I think what I was also trying to achieve with this um, digital collection mm-hmm. was to do some sort of a magical realism kind of thing. Mm. Um, you know, like this is a bird wearing a suit, looking dapper. <laughs> um, I mean, that that's just <laughs> not normal. <laughs> Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I find like this is, these are some of the realms where I thrive so much, just really, really pushing the boundaries. So I remember Stephanie, you mm. asking me like, do I think about the character and the setting and all? So it's stuff like this that I try to do. So the instances where I'll illustrate a human being, um, and the other instances where I'll just go a bit crazy and just do this bad mm. man wearing a mm. suit. <laughs> Um, Hmm. so the story behind this, uh, it's also fictional. Um, let me just try and translate it directly from Sheng. Let me see how I'll do. Um, so his feathers are green and pink and gray. What's his deal? Um, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit inconvenienced that he's in my way and I'm trying to get off the bus. Today I was heading to the thrift store. Um, the lady at the shop told me to come back on Tuesday when she gets new stuff. There's this pair of vans that I've really, really been looking for. Let me see if today will be my lucky day. Yeah, that's that's just a little excerpt that um, accompanied this piece. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, so in um, my mind, this... This guy was in my way um, and I'm trying to just like alight this bus. I'm so excited to get my new pair of vines. Um, I've mm. been looking forward to this the entire week. It, it just, I can't just get my hands on this pair any sooner. Yeah. Mm. I, I really, really, really like that. And I think especially you sort of speaking, speaking about this, yes. this moment. Mm. And then also representing it visually, um, mm. and you know, I'm sort of thinking a little bit back towards what what um, Stephanie mentioned about like being classically trained gives you this, um, in some sense, uh, Eurocentric influence, um, especially because a lot of the history of art is around European artists. But maybe even more than that, one of the things that's interesting, and I'm I'm completely freestyling here, is like <laughs> if if your the way that you learn art is through books and through you know looking at existing works you don't necessarily have to go through that process of capturing a moment and that i think actually is one of the things that's interesting because if 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 the way you if you develop your style by looking at existing artworks and then in a way reproducing them or using them to derive your own style what you're doing is learning how to recreate artworks in some sense. But if the way that you learn how to do art is by looking at the real world and then representing it, there's a sort of, there's a different kind of thing because you're trying to actually capture a moment. And I think for me, that's one of the things that really stands out um, about your work is that there's more than just what I'm looking at in this. 
like there's an aesthetic there's a feeling there's an emotion and i think especially with the last one that you actually read and translated the excerpt it sort of it feels like it put me into your shoes in some way and i have to say i i, I really appreciated that uh yeah yeah um i i had as you can tell i had a lot of fun making this um and this mm. was more of just like a labor of love more than just you know trying to put out artwork so mm. that I can use it to apply for something. Um, it was just me, mm. my time, and deciding to be like, okay, let's see what we can do with five yeah. portraits. You know, let's see how far we can yeah. take it. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that you accompany most of your pieces, obviously, because you post them on social media. You accompany them with, like you said, either a paragraph or just two lines of text. It does give mm. your pieces a bit of a different depth. And, mm. um, yeah, I mean, words are also a form of art. So it's almost like, again, you mentioned you're a mixed medium artist mm. and it kind of takes that mm. quite literally, <laughs> which um, yeah. I do enjoy because it's like a more multi-dimensional experience to a 2D piece. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's actually very accurate, guys. Yeah. I think you should consider recording yourself reading it and having that as the audio on your posts on social. No, actually, I that's, think that could be really that, cool. That's actually a great idea. Um, <laughs> once I get over my anxiety, <laughs> that would be first on my list. <laughs> nice. Show me an artist that got over their anxiety and I'll show you someone lying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be seen. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. Like, no. um, it, it definitely adds a lot. It really, really adds a lot. Mm. And a story mm. never had no one, you know. Mm. Yeah, people yeah. are very curious. They want to know what are you thinking? What's going on in your head? So yeah, yeah that's mm. definitely something I would do. Yeah. And I know I'm, I may be hopping on a little bit, but you know, when I, when I think about, for example, when I think about the environment of being in a CBD, like mm. at peak traffic mm -hmm. and all of that, like y y your artwork almost explains that without showing the CBD. It's almost like <laughs> it's the nature of the sensory art. overload. Exactly. Mm. Of the That's colors, like, the patterns, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, ah, it's so high strung. And the chaos. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. I was trying mm. to, uh, to explain with this. And especially the, the other thing also that stood out to me is the fact that you, you at least with the last one that you wrote in, 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 is it active voice or first person or whatever it is? Like you, you speak about it as if you're there and it's happening at that point in time. And it just does, it takes it that little bit further into drawing you, um, into into this sort of imaginary world um yeah um, and so i guess I've, I've got a couple of questions on the back of on the back of that um sorry did you want to say something no 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 please by all means continue um so the first is um do you ever consider sort of changing your style? Like, is, are there mediums that you're interested in exploring and strictly from an artistic perspective? Because, you know, product design, like graphic design and all of that is a little bit more client work. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like this sort of mixed medium sort of collage is more like your artistic side. Mm -hmm. um, are mm -hmm. there other mediums that you're interested in exploring? 
Yeah, actually, I am dying to try out um, physical collages. Um, yeah, just trying to translate what I've been doing on screen into mm. tangible stuff. Uh, mostly yeah. because I, I want to challenge myself. Because, you know, with Photoshop, I have the luxury. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest thing I always tell myself is, Anthony, you're so lucky you can resize things, you know. Uh, it's just... <laughs> Yeah. Control to you, make this thing speed. bigger, yeah. make this thing smaller. But you know, with the analog thing, you have to commit. <laughs> There's just no two ways about it. <laughs> um, Are you scared you'll be really shit with physical collages? Exactly. <laughs> and I'll be found out. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, all, all jokes aside, um, Physical collages uh, really speak to me as well because um, mm -hmm. you actually get an opportunity to make things that you can feel. You can add literal texture. Yeah. You see the way you look at some of my stuff and you can see the texture. This time I want to mm. feel the texture. So that's something I would be keen on learning. Um, and... Mm. I'd also I'd also like to paint. Um, I find painting a bit intimidating. I'm not gonna lie. Um, so, yeah, oh, it's like, starting with nothing, which is yeah, whoa, yeah, yeah. not quite what you're used to. Deep, deep respect for people, because um, I I know we we keep saying that art has this very Eurocentric way of looking at things, but there's this old Italian mm. painter. It's called Caravaggio. And mm. his his paintings, my God, the way he renders light and shadows. And, you know, art from that time yeah. was really trying to depict reality as as close as possible. It's like a photograph. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about how did he do that with paints? Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> it's just something else. But I would love to learn. I still yeah. would love to learn um, just to get over that mm -hmm. fear and anxiety. But yeah, I would love to see how my art would translate over different mediums. That would be really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. And there was, there was one more thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, maybe also just to give some of the, the creatives on, on over on this side a little bit of an idea. Can you tell us a little bit about like what what is the I don't know if you're if you there is a community, but like what does the, the creative community look like that side? Like is mm. there an art scene? Like are there galleries that do exhibitions? Like what what does what does it look like being an artist in Kenya? Yeah. Is there like first Thursdays <laughs> events mm. in Kenya? Sorry, I I I I I, I didn't I didn't get that Stephanie. I was saying, is there like first Thursdays in Kenya? So it's a, it's a, it once a month on the first Thursday, all galleries are open till late and you basically just walk the streets drinking and gallery hopping. Oh, wow. Mm. That happens. Yeah. I <laughs> love, love, love that. That sounds like a really good time. <laughs> um, mm. We don't have that, but we do have a number of galleries here. Um, though they're not in the same, they're not within the same vicinity. Um, you'd have to take an Uber to move from one to another. So they're in different corners of mm. the city. Um, but there are galleries. Um, there's, there's one pretty, 
um, renowned gallery that I had the, you know, the pleasure of exhibiting. My first show was there. It was a group show. It's called Circle Art Gallery. Um, really, really amazing, amazing artists who have shown there and who are being represented by that gallery. Mm. Um, yeah, but you know, the, that's the thing as well. Um, I was some, the, whoever was curating the show discovered me off Instagram. Um, I kind of wish that, um, access to galleries wasn't so guarded. Um, cause especially as a DIY mm. artist, it can feel a bit, what's the word? I don't want to use the word gatekeeping. Inaccessible. Exactly. Inaccessible is a word. Yeah. So, you know, DIY artist, mm -hmm. bedroom artist or whatever it is, entirely self-taught. Um, and that's just me. I can imagine how many other artists right now who are in a similar position as I. Um, and yeah. we would like, it would be nice to have access to those spaces because it's those spaces that kind of give you the boost and take you to the next level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that those opportunities are a bit far and in between, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah. We've yeah. come so far yet. You know, if you think back to the European art history, we're speaking of, mm. there was a point where not all people had access to see art because it was only privileged to the bourgeoisie. And, um, in some way, we still have that. Mm -hmm. Even here in South Africa, it's a topic Alfie and I have been discussing as well, the inaccessibility for um, the inaccessibility of how to actually get your stuff into a gallery mm -hmm. if you aren't trained, aren't known because of your education or you know the people and the network. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad you brought that up because what I'm realizing is this whole NFT scene that we're seeing right now. Um, mm. And as much as crypto seems to have some negative connotations, this particular mm -hmm. NFT scene is the people who are kind of, you know, um, getting these opportunities are the DIY artists. It's like a fuck you to the galleries because I don't have access to your spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to make our own spaces mm. online and we're going to mm. price our artwork like galleries and, you know, there's no gatekeeping online. Um, so in as much as people do have some, you know, choice words for the NFT space, I, I acknowledge the effort that that's gone into kind of creating this counterculture. It's not easy mm. starting things like this. Um, and maybe yeah. that's what's going to help more artists get their work out there without having go, to go through galleries and museums and all these other institutions. Because mm. like you said, Stephanie, it's like they look for artists with a particular pedigree. Have you done art? Have you studied art? Or, you know, and such kind of things. Um, and that leaves so many people unconsidered. Out. Yeah. Mm. yeah. If that's you only take true. those those people that check all those boxes, it also means we only get one representation of mm. stories and narratives, which also means that perpetuates the same narratives mm. through the art history that we're creating in the present, which mm. is also a scary thing to think about. Yeah, it, is. Mm. it is very scary. I agree. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so... 
I think we're we're probably in the in the latter half of this conversation, uh, maybe even a little bit more than half. Um, but one of the things that I, I I wanted to ask you is, um, do you firstly are you are you working on any projects at the moment that you maybe like want to tell us a little bit about something that's coming up, a show, an exhibition, just something mm. you're excited to post? Um, what's um, on the horizon? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think from next year, I'm trying to see how I can get more into sort of like interactive art installations. Um, I'm having a hard time kind mm. of conceptualizing that, especially within Kenya. Um, what would that look like? Uh, but I'm very keen on, you know, taking this even a step further. Um, but that aside, I'm working on a compilation as well, just like Reba. Um, mm. I still don't have a title for it, but this one, this one is, okay. is more personal. Um, think of it like a music album. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll have 10 pieces. Um, I'm trying to do renditions, my interpretations of things I saw in my childhood. Um, mm. I'm trying to get a bit more sappy and, you know, talking about love. I love love. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. So right now I'm really listening to lovers rock, this subgenre of reggae from the night. It's still there. Um, I really love lovers rock and it's super inspiring my work right now. Um, yeah. Mm. I'm also going to have some AI assisted stuff in there. So yeah, it's doing nice. compilations like this allows me to try different technologies, different ideas, mm. different concepts. Mm. Yeah, so I'm actually trying to see if I can make this more of an annual thing. You know, um, mm. I would love, nice. love, love that. Um, best case scenario, every year I have a compilation complete with a publication as well, like a physical copy that, mm. you know, some of my fans mm. can buy. I love that... Uh that you have that goal. I would um, say definitely go for it. Uh, we'll thank be you. keeping an eye on you, keeping you accountable to do yes, it. Yes, I need accountability <laughs> partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, that's what I'm currently excited about. Um, hopefully the compilation will be out before the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, mm. and yeah, next year I'd also like to do a children's book. That I am very, very interested oh, in. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I would that love to. That is going to be interesting. I would mm. love to do a children's book. So I'm really thinking about what that would look like. Nice. Um, what kind of story I'd tell. Because, you know, writing for children is mm. so very different. Different. Yeah. Mm. Um, so right now I'm kind of just reading up on that, looking at past children's mm. authors and stuff that I like. Yeah, and crafting the narrative. Yeah. So that's something else we should be on the lookout for. Hmm. Really nice. cool. Well, definitely hit us up when you have that. Oh, so yeah, we can sure. have a look and see what it looks like. Yeah. And also share it, of course. But uh, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think especially because we've been talking a lot about narrative and um, as three people also living in the African continent, we've spoken about a lot of stuff that relates to all three of us. And I think our listeners are going to feel the same and also a lot of relevant day topics 
that um, that need to be talked about and some celebrated and some held accountable for. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do one thing at the end of the show. So we ask uh, the previous guest to leave a question for the current guest. So the previous guest we spoke to is actually the episode we uh, published this past Monday, which is Elon Smith. He is a illusionist and mentalist magician. Uh, here in South Africa and his question is around the saying you know the saying that says uh, if you love what you do you never work a day in your life and he wants to know how does that ring true for you (laughs) I was not ready for that (laughs) (laughs) If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, that's what he said, yeah? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I don't fully agree with that sentiment. Um, mm. Okay. Um, because there is a lot of work beyond just sitting down and actually doing what it is you're doing. Because... Before you actually... The admin. Not even the admin. Like, before you even sit down to craft whatever it is you're crafting, you've definitely had little meetings with yourself. Okay, so we're going to do this. Uh, No, 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 no. That's a shit idea. Start again. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You commit to something for so long, and then you're like, "Mm, this just is not working. Then you start all over again. That's work. (laughs) Mm. I think I think mm. that's I think that's uh, I would call it emotional work or mental work um, for lack of a better word. Mm. Um, but I do get the sentiment behind the statement, um, the idea of just yeah. imma- immersing yourself in something that you love. And you know, if we are to think about it like that, I would say there is an there is some element of truth to it but i would also like to add that a lot goes behind the scenes that is not seen you know when you're actually sitting down to do the work because you could be taking mm-hmm. a shower you're already thinking about oh shit so maybe i should use this color but no 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 that, that's not a good color oh, yeah, there's this picture I saw that I could use as a reference. You know, that kind of back and forth. So it almost feels like you're always Mm. doing something um, before you produce your next work. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. I love that. And and, and I think in some ways you you, you are very right. Um, The other thing that also I think of just sort of off of the back of what you've mentioned is like, the likelihood that you in you love every single part of the process <laughs> is not very high. It's typically like there's a specific part of it that you really like, and then there's a whole bunch of things that you have yeah. to do because people need money. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, what Stephanie was saying, the, the admin work. Because um, what they don't yeah, tell you yeah, about replying to a, emails, what they don't making tell you about those reels. a freelancer is that you're your own salesman. You're your own business development team. You're your own finance team. <laughs> you're everything. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen the Spider-Man meme of them pointing at each other. <laughs> That's you. That's you and your yeah. other you and your other you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That's um, very true. So is this where I come up with a question? Or do I send mine so in as we'll, an email? Yeah, you can send it in. Just also to give you a bit of time to think about it. Yeah, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so one of the... the um, oh, actually, maybe before I... Before I end off, there was one thing that you mentioned that I just want to touch on um, that I, uh, I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it. And you mentioned uh, AI-generated art. Mm. And I just wanted to get your just, you know, what's the hot take? How are you feeling about it? You know, with Mid Journey and Dali and all of these AI artists sort of um, entering the, the landscape. <laughs> what's your thoughts about it? It's such a touchy topic these days, um, as with everything. But... Um, we we on some level we are right to be scared um because when you think about it it's so easy to generate these images and artists mm. are also rightfully scared because it takes so much time for an artist to sit down to create a piece you know um mm. but then here is an agency that can pay what was the last time I, they're selling the credits like dali is selling credits at 0.25 a dollar per prompt. So a prompt is what you put in and then the output mm-hmm. you get, usually get four images. Now think about mm-hmm. it. If you're commissioning an artist, if you're to get four images, you'd have to spend a lot more money. Um, there'd be a mm-hmm. lot more time required for the artist to sit down and conceptualize all these things. So to get all that amount of work done for 0.15 of a dollar and what's even more questionable is the data set that goes into training these models. Mm-hmm. It becomes a very dicey, very, very dicey topic to talk about because so many mm-hmm. artists, how they build these models is that they just go onto the internet and then they just mm-hmm. send bots yeah. and just collect Scrape and collect and collect and collect. Exactly. Um, so there's mm-hmm. the issue of consent. Artists haven't consented to it. Um yeah, just so many ethical issues, actually. Those are the more pressing mm. concerns about AI art. However, um, I, I, I I used DALI for a while, and I was using it in a very mm. interesting way. So I would make a piece, and then I would give that to DALI, and then I would tell DALI, oh, cool. generate some, you know, variations for me. Let me see what you'll come up with. Um I find mm. that very, I find that very conversational. It's like, okay, so this is what I'm bringing. Mm. Can you let me see what you can give me? Um, and then you know, you see new things that you hadn't considered, like maybe someone in a different pose, or or you know, Dali mm. kind of absorbing your color color schemes and and giving you whatever it will that's give so you. Cool. Yeah, so that's a use case I'm really interested in and I've been experimenting mm. with it a lot. So I start a piece. Mm. Um, then when I feel stuck, I just throw that into Dali and then I kind of look at see, Oh, so maybe I can add someone in the back doing something. It's, it's, it's give and take. This is what I've done. Let me see mm. what you can give me. Let me see what I can, I can incorporate from that. ETC, ETC. So mm. use cases like those I'm very keen on. Um, yeah. Mm. And even in product design, you. you can do like a simple mock-up and then just throw that into Dali, see the kind of variations Dali will give you. And you'll be like, oh, so I can kind of place my icons like this. Maybe there's another color scheme I can use. 
it helps break mm. the creative block um yeah, yeah that's what that's one aspect of ai art that i kind of enjoy and i appreciate um yeah mm. so I, I i try to avoid generating things from scratch entirely using ai i i i want to have a hand in the creative in the process, in the process yeah. yeah apart from just the prompt I want I want to give Dali mm. my work. Let me see what you can mm. what sense you can make out of this. Mm. Um so there's an Instagram yeah. post I put up uh, uh recently where I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So I fed Dali I think it's the f- one, two, three, four, it's the fifth of my posts. So if you go through that yeah. and then you can see the kind of mm. variations that Dali oh, yeah, gives I see, me. I see. Um yeah, and my piece is oh, the last I one. <laughs> Wow, so that's that so kind, interesting. That kind of collaborative process excites sure. me quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. I love this. That's very cool. It's such an interesting use case. I've, I haven't actually, well, I mean, I'm not in that space at all, but I haven't mm. thought about this use case for it. But I, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's quite yeah. exciting. I was so nice. excited when I saw these photos. Mm. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's yeah. my that's my stance on AI art. Amazing. And I think it's it's good to it's it's also good to hear that because you know us as the the layman or the the, the, yeah. the outsider looking in um you know we can we can throw our toys out the cot as much as you want about AI art but I think it's really about the people who are in the space that that really need to be speaking about it and and sort of giving us an idea Absolutely. of what does this mean how mm-hmm. as a as a society do we need to be adapting to to this and mm-hmm. also like you know because it brings up a lot of questions which could be a whole other podcast exactly <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um Anthony Thank you very much for um for making the time. Um maybe before we, we, we wrap things up, can can you just let us know where can where can people find you? What is what are the the handles and the links? Okay, um so yeah, I am on Instagram. My handle is mm-hmm. nafsiake N A F S I dot mm-hmm. Y A K E. I hope you'll put this in the show notes. <laughs> Um, we will. We will. Yeah. Um, and as well, um, my website is nafsiake.cargo.site. You can find me there. Um, yeah, I'm getting a domain mm. name pretty soon, uh, but that's the placeholder for now. Yeah. So reach reach mm-hmm. out to me. Um, fashion illustrations. I'm getting into that. Fashion design. That's what I'm doing as well. I run a streetwear brand on the side. It's called Penny Billy. Um, I'm actually in the process of preparing for a drop in the next nice. few weeks. Yeah, so you should be seeing something to that effect um, pretty soon. And yeah, um, collage mm. design, editorial design, um, storybooks. I am like an open, sp- I'm like a sponge right now. So yeah, let's just collaborate. Mm. <laughs> Love it. Nice. Yeah. All right then. Um, I think that's it, Anthony. Thank you so much for making the time and being willing to share your work, um, and to share your story as well. Um, really yeah. appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me. This has been this amazing. This was so much fun. Very insightful. Yeah. Such a fun podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. Um, it's this is this is something that's really really important and that we need and especially this cross country type of thing. You know, South Africa, Kenya, mm. and all these other countries mm. that you guys are working with. Um, we need more mm. of that, and I think this is a great step in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so, and to everybody uh, listening, thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, and for those listening, thank you very much for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you are listening on audio, I hope you actually pulled up the the website or Anthony's Instagram. Um, to sort of follow along as he explained it because I think you're you're really missing out if you're not actually looking at it as you're explaining the work. Um, but otherwise, thank you very much and have a good day further. <laughs> <laughs>